Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. If I said don't really own a lot and that I walk in the park would do just fine. Sarah Caltieri is a blind singer-songwriter who first came to our attention when she wrote and sang the theme to the RNIB podcast series Seeing Our History. Sarah's had phenomenal success with her music and she joins me now. Would you love me for everything I've got even if I couldn't always be on Sarah, thank you very much for joining us here on the programme. Now, you lost your sight at the age of 23 due to diabetic retinopathy. Now, I've lost my sight at the age of 19 due to diabetic retinopathy as well. It must have been a really, really horrendously scary time for you. It certainly was um, a scary time because you go from, from being independent, completely independent. I was a very independent young woman and you know, I lost everything. I lost my independence, so obviously it was quite tough at, at the start, yes. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but I certainly had never met anybody really that was blind or partially sighted. You know, I knew people that wore glasses, but I didn't know anybody that had a severe eye condition. So I had nobody to relate to at that point. um, And I felt very, very alone. I I had the same experience, actually, Jill, because I was thrown into this whole world of obviously darkness. And I actually tried my best to live in a mainstream life. I tried my best to continue with the life that I'd previously lived. And at the same time, I was pursuing my career. I was studying music and acting and performance with a view to um, hopefully taking it to a professional level. So when I lost my sight, I was trying to rehabilitate myself back into the world. I thought, well, what have I got to lose now? You know, my worst fear was losing my sight. And I was trying to conquer it. So at the same time, I thought, well, I'll do all the things I enjoy doing, you know. (laughs) And there was nobody else out there that I could relate to. It is interesting that you say that because, you know, at at that age, you're in the threshold of your life, the threshold of your career. All your friends are are going off and traveling and doing, you know, all the kind of things that, that they wanted to pursue in their lives. And here you are back at square one. And that's exactly how I felt as well. Your diabetic retinopathy was brought on by having a a diabetic eating disorder, something I know that I can relate to as well. It was diabulimia. Can you explain what that is for for people who don't know? Diabulimia is similar to anorexia and bulimia, but instead of purging, um, taking laxatives, making, making yourself sick and things, it's actually omitting insulin. So when you're diabetic, you obviously have to inject insulin, which is the hormone that breaks everything down. When you have diabulimia, you omit the insulin to to lose weight because you can't break any of the food substance down. Therefore, it passes straight through the body, along with a lot of water and along with, unfortunately, damaging the internal organs due to the, the high blood sugars this causes. If somebody has an eating disorder, this is quite... Um, a useful tool to have because you can obviously manipulate it in ways that you've got a lot of control over. But in the process of doing this, you damage your body very drastically and it's a very, very serious condition. It's actually terrifying that the more badly controlled a diabetic you are, the slimmer 
you are. And I think in a, a world where we look at magazines and we see these beautiful women on television and beautiful men on television, we all want a piece of that, don't we? We all want to look like that and put ourselves under so much pressure to look a certain way. And actually, in the process, we're damaging our internal organs and our eyesight. Exactly. And I feel very strongly about incorrect images of beauty and happiness being put out there because of the damage it does to people's psyches and the eating disorders that this kind of thing can perpetuate. Um, I work with an organisation called DWED, Diabetics with Eating Disorders, and we've had several young women actually die in the past couple of years because of this condition, and they were both in their early 20s. And this is a kind of thing that happens, and it's a very, very serious issue. I still sometimes find it hard to believe in this day and age that different images aren't put out through media and television and, you know, um, more of an inclusive image, if you like, or a realistic vision of society. We have enough knowledge and enough manpower to be able to do it. And funnily enough, I don't know about you, but for me, that never leaves you, whether you can see it or not. The the images, you're told about them, you know they exist, you think back to images, and it all sounds very vain, I suppose, but it is an eating disorder, but it's also a mental disorder. It is, yes. And and so with with the, with that particular eating disorder, the, the diabetic eating disorder, there are two things going on. Um, one has to learn how to overcome the mental side of things, but also how to relearn how to be a diabetic again. And eventually, I was lucky enough to be able to find the right psychologist. It took me a long time. I had to go through several people, go through several awful incidents actually of people saying to me they can't help me and I was completely alone at the time but I pursued it because I wanted to live I knew that if I didn't pursue this I was going to die and I didn't want to die so I managed to eventually get to the right psychologist who was intelligent enough and skilled enough to be able to do the research they needed to help with both sides of things to help with the mental an emotional side of things, but also to help me relearn how to be a diabetic again. And, I mean, within a, a couple of years, I was able to conquer the eating disorder. I did have a few relapses, you know, afterwards, which was inevitable, really. But it was a case of two steps forward and one step back. And, in fact, I felt completely free of the eating disorder um, by the age of about 20. And it was then I was well enough to be able to pursue my acting and my singing because my body was well enough to be able to cope with doing shows and learning lines and you know I could sing because my voice wasn't dehydrated which is what happens when diabetics blood sugar is high but obviously by that time the damage had been done and by the age of 23 I was registered blind because I'd done so much damage to my body over the several years I'd had the eating disorder. Past is gone, this moment's here Future's not right, so what's to fear? I'm on this trail, there's no escape But the road looks bright, and I'm on my way Obviously, talking about your singing, Sarah, you, you've got the most beautiful voice and singing is something that, that helped you through a lot of heartache, isn't it? It did actually do, yeah. Music's been a part of my life since I was a child. In fact, it saved me. 
if I'm honest, my, my creativity and my music and my art more or less saved me from from myself and from the kind of depression that I'd sunk into because of going blind. And in fact, one of the tracks on the album, Higher Than Before, uh, was a song I wrote just after losing my sight. Do you know how it feels inside When you have a big part of your life denied To sit and wonder What will I do? Is it time to give up? Will I see this through? Well, I'm not gonna let you beat me lately I know that someday, maybe You'll take me higher than I've been before Higher, gonna open every door Higher than I've been before This time I know I'll see it through It's, it's been quite um, a mountain, shall we say, actually getting to the point of launching this album, you know, um, with obviously losing sight, you have to sort of deal with the world, you know, and the world dealing with you, and there's all that. I mean, that's like <laughs> that's a completely different interview, you know. No, of course, um, of course, because it's not just you know the way you feel it. You know, you do feel like everybody in the world views you differently now, um, and uh, the most frustrating thing is that you feel like the same person. You know, you don't feel like you've changed at all. No. Well. Funnily enough, I feel I've changed, but in a in a better way. You know, mm-hmm. I feel I've become a better person for becoming blind, and I've done all the things I wanted to do in my life, and I've done more as a visually impaired person than I ever did when I could see. But the perception the world has of p- people with a stick is kind of quite negative, and so obviously I've had challenges with all that, but battled on with it and then obviously got to the <laughs> got to the point of making this album which took quite a long time and now we're here with my band and we're about to launch it all and it's we've been working really hard for the past couple of months so I'm a bit tired at the minute as well so I'm really sorry for for uh the bowling on you. <laughs> oh, please don't. Honestly, please, please don't. And honestly, I've I've done many interviews where people just do break down because all of a sudden, you know, they are talking about them and their experience, which is something that sometimes people don't get the chance to do. They don't get the opportunity because you're too busy trying to be, you know, I'm the inspiring blind person. I'm the strong blind person. Everybody's telling me I'm brave, so I have got to be brave for everybody. And it's not always like that. Sometimes you do need to just break down. So maybe it's because you're talking to somebody that's been through the exact same experience that you feel that you're able to just let go a wee bit. So please don't ever apologise for being emotional. You know, you need to you need to let out out. Thanks, Jill. Yeah, it's, um, I don't often come across people who've lost their sight through the same condition, no. actually. I know, I know. This. but this is the great thing about you know what you're doing right now you're you're letting people know about your experience which helps other people in the future and somebody might just be listening that sits down and thinks well that could be me I'm gonna you know screw the nut a bit and try and get on with this and, and look after myself so please don't ever apologize So 
obviously, getting back to your music, Sarah, you've won so many awards, you've done so many amazing things, you've worked with incredible people, including Boo Hurdin, who I am a big, big fan of. Um, but you also worked on an RNIB podcast series called Seeing Our History. Tell us a bit about how you got involved with that. Funnily enough, I did uh, a charity gig. I met my friend, Ian, who is now a friend because of meeting him at this event. And he saw me singing and approached me and basically asked me if I would take part in this podcast series. And it was absolutely amazing. And it was a fantastic series. It really, really was. Now, tell us a bit about uh, your album. You've got an album coming up very shortly. You must be very, very excited. Oh, I'm really excited. It's quite, this is the moment, you know, I've been waiting for to actually sort of get off the ground with the album with an amazing band and just go out and do live shows. I mean, that's my favourite thing, really. I love being in the studio, but you can't beat a live audience and the energy of a live room. You know, it's just fantastic. I've got such a fantastic band. I can't praise them enough. We're called the Sarah Caltieri Band um, because they're, they're actually playing the album, something I couldn't say, which hasn't officially been launched or released yet fantastic oh it sounds brilliant Sarah it really really does and the very very best of luck with the album you've no idea when it's going to be released yet not yet no we're still working on the release date but we will be gigging around Scotland and we will be releasing a single quite soon fantastic Sarah it's been so lovely speaking to you today it really has and uh, obviously if anybody wants to hear some of your music there's many ways in which they can do so yes I have my website, which is www.sarahcaltieri.com. And I'm also on Twitter and I'm also on Facebook, so people can find me through there. And if anybody wants to email me about anything, my email address is sarahcaltieri at yahoo.com. And Kaltieri is spelt C-A-L-T-I-E-R-I. I. So thank you very much for joining us, Sarah. Have a great night tonight and we'll speak to you again soon here on RNIV Connect Radio. Thanks a lot, Jill. Nice to speak to you. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.